church. We've gone through different stages looking at this church that's been established. That's a port town that's similar to Liverpool in many ways. Um, it's quite a young church. Paul the Apostle established this church. He's left the church, and now he's had these letters that have arrived to him um, on the state of the church. And if we're honest, there's lots going on in this church. It's obviously growing, it's booming, it's got people coming in from very different backgrounds. And so we see all sorts of issues going on in the church. We see people suing each other, we see incest, we see all sorts of, of mad things going on. So Paul's addressing all these things. And in this section that we're on, um, can't read that. In this section that we're on, really we're looking at the relationships. Paul's addressing the relationships within the church, okay, during worship. He's addressed, just in the, in the chapters 8 to 10, the relationship to culture uh, and how we relate to outside the church. Now this is all about how we relate to each other within the church. Okay, So we're just going to read it. It's, it's a very famous passage, this one. Um, and it's from verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, uh, you can open that up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many... They form one body. So it is with Christ. But we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And it is, there are many parts, but one body. Bit of a tongue twister, this one, isn't it? The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatments. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So Paul uses this analogy of the body. It's really helpful in trying to understand how we function as one body, as Christ's body. And um, I was thinking about this, and it is amazing, our human body. And so it's, this is one of these analogies that he's used back then, which still is totally applicable that we understand today, don't we? In fact, we may well understand it even better as we've come to understand how the human body actually functions and the amazing things it does. So I thought I'd start with just a few uh, little facts on the human body that are just amazing because actually we're told we're part of this one body. The way that we function is amazing. The way that we're called to function together is phenomenal. So our livers, you know, this part we can't see, performs, I'm going to have all the doctors going, oh no it doesn't, performs over 500 functions of the body. The largest human organ his skin. Look at this. Butters is in his quiz element now. He's got it on. If he spent some time in hospital, yeah. Our ears, they say, can separate one sound in the midst of many others. 
Our nose can actually tell which direction a smell is coming from. And it has a better memory than our actual eyes. Your big toe balances your whole frame and allows you to walk forwards. If we didn't have this, I believe we'd fall over. Our eyes, this one's amazing, our eyes can tell over 500 different shades of grey. Forget 50 shades of grey. 500 shades of grey. Our ears and noses continue to grow. It's the only part of the body for the entire rest of our lives. So the body, I think you've got, it's, it's just this amazing thing. There's so many amazing facts about it. And um, here we've got in chapter 12, Paul addressing the subject of spiritual gifts in the church here at Corinth. And really, we learned last week that the Holy Spirit, Him, God, He has given us miraculous gifts um, and to different people in the church. And the purpose of these gifts is actually to strengthen the body of Christ. It's for the building up of the body. And unfortunately, what's happened here in Corinth as they have received these gifts, God's freely given them, what's actually happened is it's served an opposite end. And Paul's addressing this because these spiritual gifts are actually leading to division and jealousy and insecurity. And on the other spectrum, it's leading to arrogance and self-importance and self-glorification. And so Paul uses this passage to address some of these issues. And he he uses it essentially to say, actually, who are we as the body? We are this new attractive community. And we should be able to function tremendously together with these gifts that God's given us. And we should have a a unified body as one um, that is unlike how we see the rest of the world uh, function. And one quote I just wanted to read out before we go into him addressing some of these issues, it's, um, it's a theologian, he says this, in order to accomplish his work on earth, Jesus had a body made of flesh and blood. And in order to accomplish his work today, Jesus has a body that consists of living human beings. That's us, that's the church, we are his one body. And so I just want to address just a few, I'm sorry, I haven't got a PowerPoint today, I haven't done one. So you're just going to have to listen to me. I just want to address some of these concerns that he does in just a few of the different passages as we go through. So verses 14 and 15, Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Do you know, in the culture that we live in, we live in a culture that really does celebrate, it elevates people's gifts, doesn't it? We live in a place where footballers are paid ridiculous wages, and they're worshipped by many young boys and, and, and grown men, and um, they get all this VIP treatment because of the gift that they have in their ability, their sport, and every boy in Liverpool, I suspect, or many of the boys grow up thinking, I want to be like Steven Gerrard or whoever it is. And we have it on TV as well, so it's not just in the football arena. We see when we have X Factor, we see contestants competing, uh, comparing themselves. They're getting judged by this panel. And it's all about showing off this gift of, of a voice. We've got Big Brother, okay? And we see... What happens there is people 
get together in this house and they live together and we see sort of the fireworks that go off as you have these big personalities that are competing against each other. Um, and we see this rivalry going on in the house and you get people slating each other and you get people actually becoming, and you see it because there's this, everyone's know the ca- everyone knows the cameras are on them. And you see as they're getting near into this voting time of coming out of the house and you start to see this real insecurity coming out in lots of the contestants, um, and you see this division um, as people try to secure their place. Um, And it's because of this insecurity of not knowing how have people viewed me? What are people thinking of me? And um, it brings out all sorts of emotions, I think, as, as we see these environments. And I'm just thinking myself about my time at school, thinking about your year group, even thinking about my family. I'm one of six kids. There's five boys. And I think just thinking about those environments where we've got um, people, actually there's, an, a, there's a temptation that it becomes quite competitive, isn't there? It can be quite an insecure time uh, where we're trying to establish ourselves. And I think what Paul's looking at here and addressing is, is actually no difference. Okay, He's addressing this church of people, made up of people where there's gifted people, these gifts that have come from God, and there's all sorts of emotions that are coming out as these gifts are being used and practiced. And he just wants to reestablish once again, actually, what are these gifts for? And how should we be looking as a church community? So this first point in verses 14 and 15, he's essentially saying, he's addressing insecurity mainly in the church. And this is a big one. There were people in the church in Corinth who felt very insecure as other people practiced their gifts, as other people prophesied, as other people uh, gave words of knowledge, um, as other people preached and brought all their different gifts. And um, there were people who probably felt like they had very little self-worth. And they started comparing themselves to others and seeing only value in other parts of the body and not in themselves. And there's this sense of feeling useless. This sense of what happens then is you start to feel detached from the body. You maybe start feeling isolated in this very body that you're supposed to be part of. And I know even for myself, there's there's a temptation, isn't there, to look at other people's gifts and look at theirs and go, wow. And there's a bit of gift envy. And you think, man, the ease that these guys communicate with you know, the relationships that they have, the prophetic gifts that they have, the artistic skills that people carry. My artistic skills are now outranked by my eight-year-old and six-year-old child. Their athletic abilities, their intellectual brilliance. And the list goes on and on. There's lots of different gifts that we look around and we see amongst us. And Paul's using this very effective analogy of the body. And he tries to show us that As we look at other people and start to get insecure, this is a ludicrous thing, a ludicrous notion, a wrong mindset to look at. So you've got this foot analogy. And he says, obviously, that the the foot looks at it and... um, Where's that verse gone? Just go back to that verse. It's on there. Fourth line from the bottom. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand... I do not belong to the body. 
And you can imagine, can't you, as you think about this analogy, this foot, you know, it's not particularly attractive, feet aren't particularly attractive. For most of us, Chris is now talking about feet, for most of us, they're encased in our nice shoes, aren't they? Um, we're hiding all those bunions and, and, and horrible skin that's on the feet. And I can picture sort of a foot wishing, I wish there was a hand. Think of all the things that a hand gets to do. It gets to build beautiful creations. It gets to draw amazing pictures. It has so much dexterity in it. It even gets to greet all the people that we meet. And all I do is get walked on. Wouldn't it be better to be the hands? And this sense of feeling useless, this sense of feeling, do you know, it'd just be better if I just stopped. Stopped doing what I'm here to do and just left. But how would a body be without the feet? What if the heart said, you know what, I'm just stuck in this rut here. And for the last 37 years, all I've done is beat. That's all I've done, and I'm tired of it. And it's time for someone else to step up and do this job. Okay, feet, it's up to you to pump the blood, blood around this body. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's a ridiculous notion. And I know from personal experience, having the health condition that I have, what a small part of the body not functioning correctly it can have absolutely devastating consequences, can't it? In my body, there's one lymphocyte, actually, that attacks the immune system. One type of lymphocyte. And all because it believes my immune system is a foreign agent. And it causes everything in my blood to look different. This one tiny lymphocyte that isn't functioning correctly affects the whole health of my body. I want to say that if we go down the line of looking at others and comparing ourselves with others' gifts, then it can lead to a really distorted view of reality. And it means that we can start to drift off and we think, do you know what, this church doesn't need me. So we can drift off and we can separate and we can do that mentally, emotionally, and, and dare I say it, sometimes physically. And again, he wants to back this up with another analogy of the eye and the ear. He wants to repeat how ridiculous this point is to us, so we've got the message. And he answers this complaint the same way each time. It would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. He states the facts. He's basically saying to the church here, it doesn't matter whether you feel detached, whether you feel isolated, whether you feel like your gifts are of no value, your feelings of, of uselessness, low value, separation, are simply not the reality when we look at it. To say to the foot, to say the foot is not part of the body, that it doesn't feel part of it, it's not valid reasoning. It's totally out of sync with the rest of the universe. And the truth is that you don't cease to be part of the body. And you know, the thing about truth is it has this beautiful way of cutting right through all our insecurities, our feelings, our emotions. 
And I was thinking about um, the disciples that Jesus chose to be his guys. And the diversity that, that existed amongst them. You know, you've got Matthew, who was a tax collector. You've got Luke, who was a physician. You've got Andrew, James, and Peter, all fishermen. Simon was a zealot. And you know, there would have been absolute fireworks as these guys gathered together. In fact, we actually saw some of the fireworks that happened. And um, they would have functioned in very different ways and in very different roles. And we see these arguments, you know, they're walking along the path and they're saying, who's the greatest? And there's this other argument that I have with Jesus. I want to be the one to sit next to you, sit at your right-hand side, Jesus. We see them saying, no, 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 I'm never going to deny you, Jesus. And we actually see this insecurity and competitiveness plague them. And yet when Jesus left them and he sent his spirit, we see what was a fairly useful, useless, sorry, useless group of guys become something quite extraordinary, don't we? These guys reached planet Earth with the help of the Holy Spirit. But Paul is making the point in this passage that we need each other. We can't move forward without our feet, can we? If our heart decides to give up, what happens? We die. If we have no ears, we can't hear. And I want to say to us, Freedom Church, if we choose to stop functioning in our gifts and we start becoming insecure and jealous and competitive, we actually only end up hurting ourselves. We're one body. That's what Paul's telling us. Each part is crucial to the full health of how we function. I want to say there's no non-gifted members of the body. Are you hearing that? There's no non-gifted members of the body here. No one is dispensable in the church. And I was thinking about this. The language is so contrary to our society that we live in, isn't it? It's totally different. When you look at business, what's the language there? There's nobody who is indispensable. We want to make that point. No one's in... Um, no one's indispensable. The business world, everyone is dispensable. Okay? We can actually just replace you like that. We've got a thousand CVs here, and your gifts really, we can, we can just replace. But the language used in the church, in the body, as a family, it's so different. Psalm 139 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how God views you. That's how God views you. He, he's made you a tremendous being. And if we're together, the body of Christ, we need one another. Firstly, for the, for the health of the body as a whole, but also to enable each other to move in the gifts that God gives us. Next verses 17 to 18, he addresses diversity in the church. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It's so important that you hear we're not building clones here in Freedom Church. Okay? God has actually created us all unique and different for his glory. This is actually for his glory. 
A body which is all eyes and ears is nobody at all. Do you know the church cannot be built on two or three public gifts? We can't effectively be the body of Christ if we're all from, let's just say, if we're all from the same class, if we're all from the same neighborhoods, if we're all from the same exclusive clubs. God is just diverse. This is part of his glory. This is what he actually um, commanded in Revelation as we see his beautiful bride, his church. He's made us to be diverse. And verse 18 is this key here. It says, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So I want to say when we compare ourselves to others and we fall into jealousy or self-pity even, I think the danger is we risk telling God that you got it wrong. That's the danger of what you're doing there. Hold on, you made a mistake here. God doesn't make mistakes. He made you just the way you are. To be part of his beautiful bride. To function in the way that he's made you. And actually the way he's made you brings absolute beauty to him. It brings his glory. And so we have to grasp that diversity and uniqueness is something that God loves and has created. Even as we see God, I mentioned it the other week, on the Trinity, even as we see him as Trinity, he's one God and yet three persons. Okay? Distinct persons. I want to say that our unity in Christ is strengthened and displayed as we appreciate God's differing gifts in the church. It's God who actually gives these gifts to his body. And so we have no reason or rhyme to boast about the gifts that God's given us, do we? It's not something we've done or deserved. He gives freely. And I just want to say there are some of you here this morning as you're hearing about this insecurity, about the way that you view yourself. I believe the Spirit wants to do something this morning. I believe some of you here really struggle in this area. You struggle to love who he's made you to be. You struggle to see why and how God loves you. And when you look in the mirror, there's this sense of just seeing disgust at who he's made you. And there is a, there's a resenting probably of how he's made others to be. And actually one of the key messages this morning for you is that God has made you in his image. There is no higher calling than to be made in God's image. Human beings, we are the only people made in his image. You're precious to him. He delights in you. He values you. He adores you. God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you. To take away our shame and our sin. And you know, he would do it again. He would do it again if it was just you. Because he loves you. Because he's formed you 
in your mother's womb, because he chose you before the creation of the world to be with him. Because you're his. So when we look at gifts in the church, I think rather than lamenting on what we're not gifted to do, we want to create a culture that rejoices in what God has given us. Rejoices in what he's given others as part of our body that we benefit from. And we must resist gift envy. Okay, looking at others and thinking, if only I had that one. Because you know what it'll do? It will paralyze us. And it'll damage us. It'll damage this body that we're actually made to be. This beautiful spectacle that is attractive to the world. Every member of the body of Christ and every member of this church is, as this guy David Pryor says, unique, distinctive, irreplaceable, and unrepeatable. Unrepeatable. Do you know what I want to just say? That means we're going to have to work hard as a church. We often find it easy, don't we, to connect with those who are like-minded, who are similar to us, who we have all those things in common with. But if we're going to represent and look like this bride that God has made us to be, diverse in our gifts, secure, then there's going to be a working hard towards that. It's not just going to come easy for us as a church, I don't think. I think it means it's going to be awkward at times to connect with people as they come through our doors. We want to see the educated and the uneducated. We want to see the rich and the poor. We want to see, um, we want to see all races come through that door. And that's going to require a work of the Spirit, isn't it? That's going to require us going out of our ways and stepping out of those areas where it feels uncomfortable. That's going to mean thinking, I want to engage with these folks. I'm going to get them back to my house. I'm going to connect with them outside of a Sunday morning. I'm going to work hard to make sure that we are functioning as one body. Finally, Paul addresses another mindset in verse 21. It's a mindset of superiority and arrogance. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And he's just just flipping the coin around here, really. Um, It's a flip side of the coin of what he said. And it happens when somebody gets puffed up with their gifts. And it may sound a little bit like this. Where would the church be without my gift? Do you know the church would be a lot better off if there were more people like me here? It's a bit like, where would Man United be without... Wayne Rooney. Probably better off, yeah. (laughs) And do you know what this mindset does? Is it leads to lone rangers. They don't trust anybody but themselves. And I think it can create a spirit of criticalness towards others. And this was happening right there in the church in Corinth. And it happens today, doesn't it? And often you see huge churches that are very successful in their size, because of one-man ministries, don't you? We see people who God has gifted remarkably. I remember this is God who's gifted them. He's given them these things. 
And actually what ends up happening is because of their gifting, the whole ministry is built around this one person. And in my experience of seeing what happens here, these, these gifts are great. But when we build around one person's gifts, it can fall in an instant. And we've seen it, you know. In our lifetime, we've seen many men who have been leading churches who have fallen. And because everything's being built around them, the whole thing comes crashing down. And that is not, I believe, the way God has called us to build his church. It's not how we're to look. And I hope you recognize that in Freedom Church. I hope you recognize the way that we purposely built a plurality within the leadership. And it's not just something that we talk about here. I think this is something that we model in everything we do. And I want to say this, if we can't get it right in the leadership of the church, we're never going to get it right in the body. And so we make a conscious effort to make sure that actually there's a plurality, there's a, um, everybody plays their part. And so if one of us falls, the thing doesn't come crashing down. It's not built on one person. It's built on Christ, isn't it? Essentially, we're not to look down or ignore those who we see with different gifts, okay, uh, than we have. And he addresses this in verse 22. He says, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. This is an interesting one here. Firstly, the term less honor does not mean dishonorable, okay? It's not a sin issue going on here in the church. Paul is talking here about the parts of the body that are not as visible, okay? The parts that we don't see up front often. And those parts that are visible tend to get more profile. They tend to be seen by people more often. And so if we look at the human body, this is things like the hair and the eyes. They get a lot of profile time, don't they? And for us, it might be our worship band or the person hosting the meeting or the preacher. Or There's lots of different roles that are, that are up front. But I want to say that when we associate profile or airtime with importance, we're making a huge, huge mistake. Those parts in the body that we can't see, Paul is saying, play an absolutely crucial role, actually to even allowing the public roles to function. And I can speak as one who obviously has a public gift here in the church. And I know I receive probably more honor in, in one week, actually, than many of you may receive in a year, if I'm totally honest. But I believe it's going to be totally reversed in heaven. Okay? Those who never receive the honor, God is going to be putting forward. Those who have faithfully, faithfully persevered as they serve, they're going to be highly rewarded in heaven. And you know, God knows how to honor. He sees it all. He sees the way that you care for your kids or the way that you look out for those in your life groups. 
He sees your heart of prayer as you intercede in the week for the church, for his bride, for the world. He sees how you work hard in your job to be able to give financially. He sees how you sacrifice your time and your energy to his community. God sees it all and he knows how to honour. And we need to learn as a church how to honour those parts of the body that are, that are less public. Romans 12.10 says this, it says, Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honour. Actually, there's something competitive here for us. That's totally right. This is a right competitiveness to outdo one another in showing honour. What a great thing to do. To think, as you come to church this morning, who can I honour this morning? In my week as I'm praying, Lord, who needs some building up of the body here? Who can I honour here? This is the culture that Paul is saying we have, we've been made to be. The definition of honour is to value someone highly or bestow value upon them. And we really do want to create a culture that honours each other, especially with those gifts that are less well seen. I was just thinking about some of these gifts that are used in the church that are less well seen, that we do try and honour at times, but I want to remind us, Ken, Ken Brew, he does our finances. I'm not quite sure you understand the amount of work and effort that Ken has to put in to keeping our finances up to date all the time. Even as a trustee, he's making decisions, he's helping, he's, he's a skilled man, actually, in this area. And for us as a leadership, honestly, having him here gives me a bit of peace. He knows what he's doing better in this area than I do. And so I rely on him to bring what he brings. Just thinking about Kathy, as we, as we prayed at the prayer meeting for open doors, just wanting to be able to honour you in your gift of prayer and your heart for that in how you step out. You know, thinking about some of those areas, we don't see Ruth and Sarah involved in the safeguarding of kids. Such an important part of the body. We wouldn't want to go and put our kids at risk, would we? And yet this... This role is carried out behind the scenes. We don't see it, but they're in place. And there's so many that I could mention. The kids work, the tea and the coffee, the PA guys, the setup teams. Man, we want to honour you for the way that you serve Christ's body here. And finally, verse 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Do you know, it's been, it's been such an honour, using this word here, it has been such an honour to see how we as Freedom Church have responded in different situations. The way that we've been able to celebrate healings and salvations and jobs and promotions and babies that have come along, we've been able to celebrate those together, haven't we? It's felt like a family where you're like, yes! But we've also experienced a fair amount of suffering, haven't we? And the body, it's a bit like a toothache. You have a toothache, that pain is felt throughout the entire body. The whole body suffers. And just thinking about the families, we've had three families who have lost a brother or an uncle in the last, what is it, five months, four months? 
We have people suffering with difficult circumstances, with depression, with mental health, with ill health, with cancers, with legs that are in extreme pain. And actually, we suffer with you. We suffer because that part of the body is struggling. And this body that God's made us, this community that God has made us to be is one that is so connected that we feel each other's pains. And we share in each other's joys. And it's why Jesus could say that the world would come to know him through our love for one another. I know Chris is going to be speaking on love next week. So I'm not going to take that one. But do you know what? In this society that we live in, there is so much isolation, loneliness in this world. And we're just called to look so different to that as his body. God's community here, his body, will look so different to the society that we live in. Jealousy, insecurity, competitiveness, superiority are not attitudes that define this community. They're not attitudes we actually find in this community. Instead, we're to be a community that is fully secure with one another. A community that builds one another up with his gifts. A community that is diverse and celebrates the beauty that comes through looking different and having different gifts. We're a community that is so close with one another that we genuinely, genuinely celebrate each other's joys and we genuinely feel the pain that we experience together. Do you know we're a community that is actually defined by love for one another so that the world will come to know him who has rescued and saved us. God has absolutely lavished. He's a generous God and he will lavish us and has lavished us with amazing gifts. As we prayed for this church plant in its embryonic stages, we prayed for God to give us certain gifts. And actually, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes we pray thinking, oh, that'd be great. But we don't expect him to add them. And yet, actually, our experience here has been that he has added these remarkable gifts that we prayed for. It's amazing how he answers prayer, isn't it? And these gifts are given so that we function so well as a body. And I just want to encourage us. I'm just going to pray now, actually. I'm just going to pray. We could have a ministry time, but I'm aware of the time. I'm just going to pray that um, God would help us and that he's spoken to us. Mm. Lord, I want to thank you that you are a generous God, that you have made us to be a community that reflects you, reflects who you are, reflects the person that you are. And um, Lord, we are so attractive to the world. And I just want to pray, Spirit, help us. Help us when we become insecure in this community. Help us when we want to run away from it or we feel um, aloof or we feel like we are on the edges. I want to pray just, just as a body, Lord, help us to use the gifts you've given us so that we can discern when one of our parts is feeling like this. So that we can go and we can use these gifts to encourage them to bring them right back in to helping them function so that we actually get to function better as a whole. Lord, I want to pray just for this closeness that you've made us to be 
where we get to experience each other's pains and joys, where we get to walk through those experiences. Lord, you know what's going on in our church, and actually there's something you're doing here that is allowing us to move right away in that area. But I just pray, help us, Spirit. Help us to know how to support and love one another in all circumstances. Help us to know how to stand with each other when there's grieving and mourning, when there's pain and disappointment, when there's celebration and new birth. Help us to reflect you in every way. And Lord, I just pray finally that we would see many gathering to you because they see our love for one another. Many look at it and going, man, they just love one another. That's a radical thing to have done for each other. The way that they give themselves sacrificially to one another. Lord, I just pray for that, that we would be a church who reflects what your body's supposed to be. In Jesus' name, amen.